There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands Believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV friends. Thank you for joining us today here on WCN-TV. I am your co-host, Pastor Mike Spaulding. My guest today is Rick Hamlin. Even silences praise. I love that title, by the way. Even silences praise. Wonderful title. Rick is a longtime editor of Guideposts magazine, and he's seen plenty of real-life stories that attest to the efficacy of prayer. Rick cites the resurgence in prayer, something that used to be commonplace before Western tradition replaced faith with science, and I'm old enough to have seen that shift. Who needs prayer anyway? That may be the question that some are asking. Who needs old-fashioned religion? Prayer and meditation need to be given top priority, not just fitted in, says Hamlin. Studies have shown that it works not just as a placebo, There is a correlation that prayer, even from remote strangers, without the patient's knowledge, positively affects the outcome of their medical treatment. This is scientific proof that prayer works. Rick says we tend to give allegiance to the importance of prayer and meditation, but rarely make it a priority. Boy, have I seen that over the years in the body of Christ. He says the fatal allure of busyness collides with our schedule or lack of motivation. Don't ever feel bad about feeling less than perfect. There can be holiness in that state of humility, Rick says. In Even Silence's Praise, Hamlin explains how we can engage in a practice of meditation and prayer that was modeled by our Lord Jesus himself. The practice of meditation Rick says, is to turn ourselves into good soil. And we're going to ask Rick what exactly he means by that (laughs) during this conversation. But Rick is a longtime editor, as I mentioned previously, of Guideposts magazines, a frequent contributor to all Guidepost publications. He often writes about his prayer journey, a busy husband, father, lay leader in his church. And as I read through the book, I I was applauding you, Rick, for for being at the same church for over 30 years now. That is a remarkable, a remarkable example of perseverance and blooming where you're planted, because that's not the case too much anymore. But Rick stresses how prayer and meditation can be a natural part of everyday life. He's lived most of his life in New York City, and you must love it there, brother, or you wouldn't be there. Where him and his wife sing in the church choir. He's the author of Pray For Me, as well as several novels, including Reading Between the Lines. He blogs regularly at guideposts.org. You can catch up with Rick. Thank you, producer, for putting Rick's website there on, on, the, uh, on the page, rickhamlin.com, rickhamlin.com for more information. Rick, thank you so much for joining me today here on WCN. It's a delight to be here, my friend. It's a it's a wonderful book that you've written. A lot of good information in it. Um, your title is from a, a Psalm of David, and um, some people 
mix up prayer and meditation. They they think they're one and the same, and they can be, but they're 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 really distinct things. Um, and I have heard, as a pastor of twenty five years now, I have heard uh, people make comments such as, "Well, meditation isn't a biblical thing. Meditation is is." Uh, is from Eastern religions or new age, or uh, I'm sure you've probably heard that as well. Yeah. And, uh, and then you sort of say, well, but the word appears in the Psalms about 19 times. Yeah. Hmm. Wonder, wonder what that is. Yeah. yeah the word that? meditate. Yes. Yes. So, so the, the, the even silence is praise. Um, the Psalms themselves give us a number of pictures of, of David and other authors of the Psalms meditating, um, in, in fact, encouraging us as we read them to meditate, don't they? Yeah. The, um, I, you know, I have a, a practice. I, I, I start out sitting here. Actually, this is, this is the very spot, my lumpy sofa, where I close out to, to check in. But then um, when I'm eating my, uh, my breakfast, I read through um, three Psalms generally, it's about three Psalms in the morning. Uh, cause you know, you just keep going back to them. They're so enriching the language and, and you understand how, how, you know, back when those Psalms were written, they struggled with the same stuff that we do that, you know, anger, frustration, uh, you know, lack of faith, doubt, uh, um, envy, and uh, those things are going to appear in our prayer life. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's and I talked through the Psalms, the entire book, um, several years ago. Now I completed that, but but that was the, one of the things that that really hit me is uh, the emotions of the writers. Very in in a lot of cases, very very raw. I guess would be a good word to to use. Very raw. Very very transparent um, about all sorts of things, Um, family issues, certainly, uh, concerns and fears about life and things that they struggled with. So prayer, the purpose of your book is to help people understand that prayer can address all of those areas in life. Yeah, a friend of mine said, you know, well, I, I, you know, I I don't want to tell, uh, tell God that, uh, and you go, well, I think God probably already knows. <laughs> like, you know, I, I mean, even those times when, and it can happen to the, the most saintly and godlike, being angry at God, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Well, if you're angry with your best friend, you need to tell your best friend. And if you're angry with God, you need to address that. Yes, amen. Why? Why do you think it is, Rick, that some some Christians don't believe that uh, that it's right to be angry and right to ask God in a in a irritated <laughs> irritated disposition why things are going? Why Why do you think believers? Because um, your point is well taken. He He already knows, and likely He's waiting for you. To, to approach him and have this conversation because he wants to help you through it. Right. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, I, I, I think I fear that we like our anger a little too much. Mm. It, you know, it uh, denies us the chance to change. You know, we sort of cling to that and, and sharing it with God means we're going to change. Mm. You know, God is here to, change our hearts and bring them closer to god so uh, it's it's isn't that a curious thing i i think that's why sometimes we 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 could cling to it too much but uh um i've gone we we've all gone through those dry patches and like you say those psalms are reminders okay god is still here with me in this yes yes amen and i that's a good way to describe it. I was picturing in in my mind as you were, as you were uh, speaking about that uh, anger. Um, that's part of the deception of anger. I think Rick is that it it 
seems to us, at least initially, um, to be um, justified in, in, in holding it. And, and, and sometimes we are initially. Anger is a natural response. And, but if we hold on to it too long and we don't listen to the voice of God, I think the Bible is clear that that can become um, a root of bitterness and it can lead us away from God, the very place that we need to be close to God. Um, so we need to recognize that we are susceptible to doing that and don't allow that to happen and, and know that God is always anxious, desires, in fact, for us to be healed from any kind of circumstance that that anger has has taken root in our hearts. I know you've no doubt written about that a number of times. Well, I actually in this book and even silence his praise, I I talk about so because we think when we go into a, a, a place of prayer that, you know, it's all going to be sweetness and light. And if we allow ourselves that quiet time, we can discover a lot of what's going on inside. Um, and Jesus knows about those parts of ourselves. Isn't that interesting? I was listening to you. I was thinking how Jesus told us to love our enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow. Oh, come on, Jesus. That's way too hard. No, I don't want to do that. Uh, it's, it's once again, it's, it's helping us love ourselves because we might discover something there in our enemies that we've projected that is actually deep inside of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's been one of those those admonitions from the Lord Jesus that 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 people struggle with. Uh, they're puzzled by it. Love, love my enemies. How is how is that even possible? Well, it's not possible without the love of God and the embrace of the Father and sticking close to Him. If you if you're trying to do it of your own volition and and um, willpower, you, you're going to fail miserably. Yeah, and these things we all depend on God's grace, and you know, even in in prayer, we depend on God's grace. The the Spirit speaks through us. Uh, um, it's it's so. Uh, I you know, well, people will tell me, you know. Oh, you know, I, I try to pray, but I'm just not very good at it. Or I try to meditate. I try to sit there and be silent. And, and I, 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 I'm, I'm not good at that. And I, I, to try to pray is to pray. It's the only thing I can think of where trying is actually doing it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I don't know where the idea has, has uh, come from, Rick, that, that our prayers in order to really be prayer has to be a well-structured um, vocabulary and grammar, you know, perfect and, and um, a consistent train of thought. And prayer is any kind of, of outreach or outcry or pleading with God. And, and sometimes that's going to come through sobs. It's going to be, it's going to come through, through pain, sometimes joy, and and I think prayer. The, the Bible tells us sometimes that prayer will just be joyful, joyful meditation. Uh, I, guess, I guess maybe there's a question, Rick. What's the difference between prayer and meditation for those that have joined us today? I uh, I, I think of meditation as just an aspect of prayer. I, you know, prayer is a big big umbrella and mm-hmm. um and meditation can be many things the um what i'm aware of in my life is that uh, you know our world even jesus's world i mean it, there's it's a lot of distractions out there um you know and this little thing it's in our pockets and it buzzes and yes. and uh and then when we have a few down moments, like you're standing in line someplace, have you noticed how everybody's just got that phone out and they're staring yes. at it uh, and punching in numbers? And I just don't think 
that's the best way to live. And I'm not sure that's the best way God wants us to live, to, to live in that distracted state. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to have a dedicated time every morning, and for me, the morning is best because it sort of sets me on my day, um, and connect to 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 God. Um, uh, I'm one of four kids, and we were a pretty raucous bunch. And my mom used to say, "Listen to me. You got to get silent to listen to me." <laughs> and I feel like that's sort of what I need to do to listen to God. Yeah, you got to get silent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 very good advice. Um, distraction is a is a subject that um, well, somebody had made an observation a couple of days ago. A friend of mine um, at at uh, the, the church I was at visiting, um, he made an observation. He said, "You know, so many people are using their phones now uh, because they have a Bible app on it." And so when they come to come to church, they'll uh, get their phone out and they'll they'll proceed to, you know, swipe up, get to their app. And he said, but you know what happens on the way there a lot? I said, no, what? He says, well, they'll have a, a message that's popped up, they, uh, you know, a message in Messenger. Somebody texts them or or as they're swiping through some some kind of news alert pops up. And and so even then when you're trying to get to your app to bring the Bible up to, to participate in the service, uh, even then we can find distractions that are kind of thrown out there. And, and, and we risk that of, Oh, well, I'll just check this real fast. And so you write about busyness in, in your book and mm. the, the allure of busyness, I think is the phrase that, that really is, uh, is it fair to say that it's uh epidemic today or not uh, that's a, an appropriate word uh, i mean I, it certainly has existed in other eras but it's has gotten cranked up and i think when you say the allure mike i think that the allure there is we think it justifies us you know what have i done today well i you know I went on that errand i responded to that email you know i i texted that person uh um Okay, you know, but it's quantity is not necessarily quality. <laughs> you know, you 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 were just talking about me there when you <laughs> going through that because I was checking off the boxes today. Okay, I got this. I, I, I finished this teaching for Wednesday night. I'm done. Okay, now I got I, I finished this presentation that I've got to record Thursday and upload. Uh, I wrote this uh, endorsement for for a book by a friend. That's done. So I'm going through this list. And before I know it, uh, it's time to get ready to do the show. So you can get real busy um, and and just chalk it up to, well, I accomplished all of these things today, Lord. And and of course, now I'm thinking as I'm speaking with you. did you spend any time with the Lord today? Mm-hmm. Did you spend, of course, the answer to that for myself, this is <laughs> the answer to that for myself is my wife and I, Kathy, uh, our habit is that we spend time together in the morning. Uh, we have a devotional that we read and then we discuss that for a few moments. And then we have, then we have prayer time and we do that same process at the end of the day we we call it winding down and preparing ourselves for rest Mm -hmm. so that means getting off the phones it means setting our our books down we i read a a different devotional at night and then we listen to some worship music Mm. and then we pray and that worship music seems to, and and I received that idea from another friend in a book that she had wrote, and and I told her I said this is beautiful, because I'd never considered uh, actually listening, just listening to music to the words, 
what they're saying and how that calms your spirit down and, and prepares you then for rest. So that's part of our habit. So I just wanted to put that out there that I don't stay busy all day and forget for, for, forget about the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and I would encourage those that have joined us today for this to uh, to adopt that practice, to to prepare yourselves. I'm a morning person like you, Rick. So I, I like to do things in the morning. It's fresh. I'm, I'm energized. I'm ready to go. But I also have recognized that at night it's good just to start deliberately and intentionally winding down so that you can rest because uh, people people sometimes have too many thoughts in their mind when they go to bed and they don't they find it difficult to sleep. Well, and actually, you know, your sleep experts will say is that, you know, you need to uh, uh, get stop screen time at least an hour, better yet, two hours before you go to bed. Because that's going to be something that's going to be uh, uh, an interrupter of, of mm-hmm. you know, sleep. So that that's a sleep expert. But doesn't that, you know, that's just right there with our faith. Um, because that screen time is, is going to be more distraction where being quiet, you know, I like reading print instead of just my Kindle, you know. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, and and turning to see see words on the page, the um, you know, we talked about the the wonderful practice of you know when you psalms and 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 biblical language, how you can take just a little phrase from the Bible. Uh, this practice is you know well over almost a, th- a thousand years old, of, called lectio divina, where you take a small it you know you you might read a long passage, but you take just just a few words and use that in your prayer life to, to, to help focus the, um, it, you know, th- we have so many ways to read that to, to the divine. Yes. Yes. And I, that's actually part of my, um, part of my teaching style, Rick, is I, when I'm, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, an old Testament book or new, um, as as I read through the verses, I I pause to point out things. Um, I was just uh, teaching in another church this past Lord's Day, and I was teaching uh, James chapter one. And James begins his introduction, and he says, "To the twelve tribes dispersed." And so I just paused there, and I said, "What is James saying there?" to the 12 tribes dispersed. And how, how do we hear that today? The 12 tribes dispersed. So many people today think that uh, the 12 tribes, or at least 10 of the 12 tribes, are lost. We have no idea where they're at. And, and my comment, observation on that was, I know someone who knows exactly where they're at. Hmm. His name is God. So, so as you're reading, take those short phrases, just a couple, three words sometimes, and consider the implication of, of what it actually means. And I think what you're going to experience is you're going to be drawn deeper into a comprehension of the word, and, and, and you're going to fall in love with the word of God because it is so wonderful in, in everything that it says. So here's a question. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from, from what I've read and, and, um, observed some studies, uh, the Pew research is a good place to go. Um, is it true that unbelievers are starting to engage more and more in, in meditation and even what what we Christians might consider to be prayer, um, than in times past, is there an upward, an increasing trajectory of of all sorts of folks that are that are engaging in meditation and prayer outside of the church? Oh, oh, yeah. The um, the the those the practice and and it doesn't have to be cloaked in any sort of spiritual language, but just you know. The, they're doing it at you know 
corporation, somebody comes in because it'll help the workforce. It'll, you know, keep people focused. Um, uh, um, but, you know, this is the thing is I, I, I don't think we should be arrogant about that and say, oh, well, now we, we have something even better prayer because I think we can learn from that. The um, uh, God sometimes works anonymously in our souls. The, uh, but, but for instance, there is this meditation practice called to catch and release where when you're sitting in silence, you catch the thought, you don't, fight it but you catch the distracting thought and then release it and i i love that imagery because i think that works in meditative prayer too you catch the thought and then release it to god uh letting him be involved letting god take over catch and release Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you encourage uh, your readers to develop a, um, a daily practice of, of prayer and, and meditation. So I'm wondering if you would share what, what would that look like for for the average person that's that's joined us for this conversation, Rick? What would that look like? How how would they get started on that? Well, what, uh, there are two things I think to pick a, a regular time every day. And I think that the dailiness of it is important because then it becomes a habit. You just, okay. uh, um, But there's also, I think, value in picking the same place every day. Um, I'm talking here about the lumpy sofa I'm sitting on. uh, And a place, um, the external stimuli the birds outside the window, the car driving by, those can be internal stimuli for, oh, that's right. This is where I come to pray. That's right. Okay. I'm, I, I'm here to connect with you. Um, uh, I used to do this regularly on my subway ride to work, uh, the A train. One of the first books I wrote was called Finding God on the A Train. Um, And, uh, um, you know, I've heard people say, you mean the A Train? No, it's the A Train. But you think, how do you do that on a subway ride? I mean, you know, uh, usually I was lucky enough to get a seat. I'd read a few Bible passages, a psalm. Then I'd close out and I'd close my eyes. And just the rumble of the train. The rumble, the doors opening and closing, those are my signals that this is my God time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wrote about it, and there, it was very funny. There was a, a, a photographer from the New York Times, of all things, that wanted to take a picture of me praying on the subway. And uh, I said, you can't take a picture of me praying on the subway because if you're taking a picture of me, I'm not going to be praying. I'm going to be thinking about, oh, this guy's taking a picture of me. <laughs> uh, 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 we cut a deal. He's, I said, you can take a picture of me reading from my Psalms, but then you can get off. And, uh, and you know, a subway ride, you know, or, or a morning commute, something you do every day, finding a way to make that my connect or check in with God time. Um, so to have that time and like I say, place, place can really matter. Where's your, your place, uh, Mike? It's in my uh, study and it's a big, soft brown leather wing, wing back chair with an ottoman. So I put my feet up and and sit down and and rest in that it's it's quiet and uh it just feels like um well it's exactly as you described i've i've developed those those sensory perceptions that now i'm in my i'm in my place i'm in my zone if we can call it that um and and this is where i connect with god especially uh to begin my day uh of course, there are times I go in there and pray uh, outside of those those designated times. If if something is troubling me or or uh, 
or someone else in my life or family or, or, or church family, um, the Lord places that person, I, their face flashes before me. I know it's time to pray. The Lord brings those those images, I believe, to us for a reason. Um, and I've had a lot of lot of cases, Rick, where I I will see someone a day or so after I've prayed for them and and I, I said, you know, the Lord brought you to mind yesterday. I was praying for you. And um, yeah, what what time was that? And I give them an approximate time and they say, well, you won't believe what was happening at that time yesterday. So thank you for praying. You had no way of knowing. I said, well, that was God. It, that is all the Father saying, join me in lifting this person up. And really, that's what prayer is, isn't it? We yeah. We lifting people up in that moment the um and and what's so wonderful about that mike is that you're paying attention to it yeah uh sometimes we think oh well i'm i'm praying so i don't need to be thinking about them uh okay i pray for them i'm gonna let it go i one of the messages to myself i don't get up and make a phone call then or Mm. send an email um you know, this is my quiet time. When I'm finished, I might send an email. Hey, man, thinking about you this morning. And then you'll hear what, exactly what you're talking about. But God does put those names, those peoples, those needs on our heart for a reason. Yes. Um, and what a gift. Isn't that exciting? It's a chance to make a difference. I believe that sitting here on this lumpy sofa is about changing the world. Mm, it's yeah. about changing Rick. It's about changing the world. And, and isn't that exciting that we all have that chance and the ability to do that? Yes. Amen. It's, it certainly is. Because, and that, I guess that goes back to um, why do so many people, uh, struggle to spend time in prayer. If if they really could grasp the power of prayer and the significance of it, that that God is actually inviting you, He's actually desiring to commune with you. Um, I think more people would be eager to spend time in prayer. And it's and I know for some, I've heard this over the years. You probably have too, Rick. Um, they'll say, "Well, well, prayer is such a love." laborious practice and it just wears me out and 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 I want to tell him well maybe you need to lighten up on yourself and just start talking to God like you would if I was sitting right across the table from you and just have that conversation and believe me he's going to respond you'll receive those impressions back from him and you'll know those that are that are from him and I think if if more believers understood the beauty and the comfort and the peace and the that that, that you can have through prayer, I I think everybody would be making a mad rush to their place and their time for prayer. Well, you know, and I think uh, we should be that that feeling of inadequacy is actually a really spiritually rich place. Remember Jesus's parable, the the Pharisee going up the temple and at the top of the temple and is saying, I thank God I'm not like other people. I thank God, you know, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a, you know, uh, and and at the bottom of the steps, the sinner is going, Lord, have mercy on me. He's the one who feels so inadequate. And Jesus points out, well, Who's got it right? It's not the self-congratulatory Pharisee. It's the the person feeling like they're not very good at it or are good at life. So so to embrace those feelings, because that is a spiritually rich place. Yes, yes, it absolutely is. And and I would just remind folks that have joined us today, um, those aren't uh, standards that that the father has erected that we must meet and you won't find those in the scriptures anywhere. Instead, you're going to find exactly what Rich, uh, Rick was just talking about. And that is, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Can I commune with you? He, he will embrace you 
in that place. And we'll, we'll have a, a, I believe, a stern word for those that think that they're righteous of their own and don't need those things. Um, you, you are in a very good place when you realize your inadequacy. Amen. And, and uh, you know, also if you're doing, you know, doing some sort of silent practice, uh, you know, all those distractions, you, you sort of, oh, oh my gosh, no, that's getting in the way. Um, there's a wonderful story. I, I forget the, the, the wonderful prayer teacher's name. Uh, and one of his, she, I think she might've been a nun said, oh, well, you know, I, I sat there in that half hour we had, and I must've had about a thousand, you know, distracting thoughts. And the teacher said, how wonderful. Cause each one of them was a chance to come right back to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, you know, it's it's like the little U-turns we get. Oh, yeah. Okay. Coming back to you. Yes. Yes. You refer to uh, silence as God's language. What, uh, what what do you mean by that? Fortunately, it wasn't me who said it. Oh. <laughs> the, uh, w- one of the great theologians of the past said it. But, you know, why is silence uh, God's language? And um, I think because uh, it's even richer than words, uh, you know, words can sometimes be limiting. So that even when we talk about, I, I was talking about that practice of uh, Lectio Divina, where you take a, a biblical phrase and you focus on it. There are steps there, uh, as it was described in the 12th century or um, 13th century, that that you finally go to a place of just letting everything go because in the end god is is much bigger than the language we have than the thoughts we have the um so i i it, it, when i say it's god's language i i think per, partly it's silence is our chance to listen to god mm-hmm. but in the practice of doing it uh you can get a bigger, bigger view of things. Yes. Yes. Amen. And I, folks that have joined us today, I hope that you're getting a, a, a much better appreciation and understanding of prayer and, and, and even meditation and that you're not afraid uh, as much or maybe not at all. Now that would be even better um, to practice prayer. And um, so prayer and, and meditation, I, 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 Shared this quote in the in the opening, Rick. Prayer and meditation need to be given top priority, not just fitted in. Why are yeah. we Why are we reluctant to make those priorities? Why are we reluctant? Uh, sometimes because we love our busyness so much, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or self justifying, but. But it's, it's, you know, we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. It, it's just we need to keep circling back. Yeah, I do want to do this. I do want to do this every day. Yeah, I will do this every day. I do do this every day because it's the everydayness that's transforming. Uh, we all can be transformed. Um, and, and, you know, go ahead and, and, and let ourselves... Uh, and it could be scary, the possibility. Mm-hmm. I might have to let something go, something that seemed such a big deal and part of my identity. But maybe it's because I can open the door onto even a bigger identity that God is calling me to. Yes. Yeah. Was it Martin Luther, Rick, that said, I have so much to do today. I'm going to have to spend the first three hours in prayer. Yeah, he he prayed more. The busier he was, he had to pray more. Yeah, uh, um, you know, and I, I when you think Martin Luther, what? But it's checking into something deeper. It's gonna something that's gonna ground you. Um, you know, the in a work situation, you're gonna face something stressful. Uh, you don't want the stress to get to you. Uh, you want to be at your best. You want to be how be in a place where you can serve god um uh, Mm -hmm. to have the prayer there one of the things you know paul says to us he says to pray without ceasing and you think how how do i do that That, that, that's 
Paul, oh my gosh, Apostle Paul, that's impossible. Uh, but I find if I put something in prayer in the early in the day, it's going to pop up the rest of the day. Yeah. There is sort of an unceasingness there. Yes. Yeah. That's a good strategy. Very good strategy. You, mentioned, you do it too. You do it too, Mike. I know yeah, you do. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. That's why I like um, prayer and, and meditation devotional in the morning. And I encourage uh, others to do that because I'll guarantee you the Lord will raise that back up during the day, uh, perhaps multiple times. And, and you'll have opportunity then to to think about that, pray about that, meditate on that. And um, when he does that, it's because he's bringing you to a place of, of uh, more clarity, deeper understanding or appreciation for for something or someone. Um, that's been my experience anyway. Yeah. And you mentioned yeah. a couple of times. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was also just thinking the aspect of community. You you might think you're there doing it by yourself, but once you close your eyes in prayer, you're suddenly connecting with people all over the world who are doing it at the same time. Yes. We become people of faith through community. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, uh, that would hijack this conversation and take us someplace that we don't have time to go. But that that's one of the things I... <laughs> that I um, am disappointed at this, this rise of this uh, uh, belief that we can somehow be lone ranger Christians, that we're not connected to one another in, in community in the local body of Christ, that we can weather the storm by ourselves. you know, just set our chin against the wind. And, and it's like, no, we need each other. And prayer is one of those things that brings us together. I mean, you know, that's, you know, the gift of a, of a church community, a faith community, is you learn so much about yourself. Uh, first of all, you learn how hard it is to forgive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, why did God, you know, Jesus asked us to forgive uh, because it's a way to connect and and connecting is 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 vital. And that's another thing that we suffer from today is there's fewer connections uh uh we connect to our you know devices uh rather than to the people the um and and you know in terms of mental health connecting to people is vital Mm -hmm. yes amen you mentioned um in the book a couple of uh, studies that well i believe more than suggest but actually state that there is um, there are benefits to prayer there are benefits to meditation would, would you like to mention a, a few of those yeah it's really interesting uh, they've you know done studies of you know uh, a group is praying for uh, patients at a hospital and you know and then uh, the, the challenge in this one is is and then uh, another group is not being prayed for well to actually a scientific, uh, you know, survey like that is, you know, the, the ones who are prayed for and the ones who are not prayed for. The the irony of that is um, if you're praying for someone, you can't help but pray for somebody else. <laughs> uh, I mean, prayers is, is that big. Uh, but there, you know, there are definitely, you know, benefits. I mean, just, you know, that even with a... a benefits of, of, of dealing with stress. Um, you know, when I talk to my doctor and I talk about my, you know, prayer and meditation practice and he says, Oh yeah, that's really important. I mean, it's important just, you know, in terms of blood pressure, little things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, the people who live longer or deal, you know, recover faster from medical, uh, disasters are, church going people and there there can be a multiplicity of reasons but part of it is just the faith practice and part of it is community i i don't know if you mike have ever had a medical disaster or ended up in the hospital and 
those times are, it could be very, very hard to pray. Uh, and then you realize that's okay. Other people are praying for me. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You mentioned, um, or refer to prayer. <laughs> and, and I like this phrase, um, as a school for amateurs, <laughs> school for amateurs. I, I'll, I'll admit that I laughed. <laughs> yep. That's a fact. It's not school for polished professionals or, or great orators or, or anyone like that. Sometimes, um, the scripture says we just we just groan because we don't know what to say. Yeah, the uh, amateurs that we are, I you know, and we use that phrase, you know, the practice of prayer. Yes, we're always practicing. That's right. But I'll circle back to that line that you know the line that to try to pray is to pray. Yes. You, you know, uh, um, and just that you know that parable. It wasn't the the big fancy man of God, the Pharisee, who Jesus pointed out. It was. It was the sinner down there at the bottom of the steps. Uh, um, so amateurs, are it's a good place to be an amateur. Yeah, yeah. Now, I was surprised by one of the chapters, Rick. When I got there, I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. Why is this in the book? But it was the chapter where you focus on, on death. And I thought, oh. And I read through and I thought, ah. I see. So what what does this have to do, that subject have to do with meditation? And and why do you encourage readers to to listen to their fears? The um uh well how can be God be present in your fears if you don't listen to them? The uh yeah, the uh yeah, it'll it'll the fear of death will pop into my head and I'm oh I'm quite startled by it but one thing you know we'll all face is we all come to an end yes. and we all believe that there's something beyond that end but so it, the door opens it but let's not live in fear remember the opposite of fear is love it's not courage it's love love is the thing that you know and that's completely biblical so uh so yeah, isn't that funny? I did write a chapter yeah. <laughs> on, on on death, and you know, I lost my beloved parents, and um, uh, I mean, the, my mom, you know, she died at the age of ninety three, and my prayer for her, she'd been pretty good, and but uh, uh, until those, well, really those last few years, but I said, Mom, my prayer for you is that when the time comes, you get a direct flight. And she went into the hospital on a Tuesday and or Monday, and she died on a Thursday. Mm. And she wasn't a fancy, you know, uh, she's she's not like you, Mike, teaching Bible classes. But as I sat there at the edge of her bed, we gathered together, they read a Bible verse, and she turned to me and she said, I'm going to be in the Lord's house soon. Uh, no doctor had said, oh, no, this is, you know, you're coming to an end. She was so on it, and she died just a couple of hours later. Um, wow. uh, but what an amazing thing to say. I'm going to be in the Lord's house soon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I... I see that when I hear and I've I've heard people make those kind of statements and and what I've arrived at over the years Rick is that they are hearing they're communing uh, with the father he is he is embracing them he is comforting them and he is letting them know everything's going to be fine and and you will be here in my presence very very soon and that brings that brings a uh a peace upon a life that, well, sometimes it's hard to explain. Um, but I think that might be what, what your mother was experiencing. She just knew because the father was, was embracing her even then and saying, you're coming home. It's a beautiful. And she was so ahead of what any doctors or nurses had said. I mean, she, uh, um, it was some, uh, uh, and it was, a it, it, it you know, the the thing about a direct flight is that those left on the tarmac 
you know, can feel pretty uh, suffering, but it was, it was certainly her prayer. Yes. Amen. Yeah. The other side of that, though, when that flight lands, she's going to be greeted and welcomed by those that went before. So <laughs> God bless her. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I was hoping we would get to this question before we ran out of time, because you mentioned good soil, <laughs> meditation, the practice of meditation um, helps us, turns us into good soil. How How is that the case? Uh you know, what, good soil has a lot of nutrients in it. Good soil is is you know it's 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 got moisture in it, so that you know you put the seed in and and it can grow. Good soil is loose, um, and good soil allows deep roots to go down. Um, so uh, um, I, I, these are all just metaphors. I'm I, I'm I, I'm sorry if I'm just throwing them all out but that that you know jesus speaks in that kind of language of you know roots branches uh, and and you know and so why not have a practice that helps us fulfill what jesus is asking amen amen well so what do you hope last question what do you hope that readers will take away from from your book well, I always say you don't, you know don't have to read the whole book if you suddenly want to stop and pray and you know do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, I don't want my book to be oh I had you know underlined praying. It's just it's I need guidance myself. Uh, I've you know got a stack of books right here that I turn to to help me in my spiritual life, and God willing that this book will help people in their spiritual life. But it's a dialogue, you know, uh, what I'm really hoping is that, you know, at page 16 and at page 62 and at page 95, they just turn that book over and turn into God in prayer. Amen. Amen. The book is available from your website, Rick, rickhamlin.com. Yeah. And you can buy it on Amazon. You can, you know, buy it at, at Faith Gateway, you know, the, wherever you buy books. The, it's 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 out there. Amen. Amen. Well, Rick, thank you so much for, for this conversation on, on your book, Even Silence is Praise. Wonderful book. Thank you so much. Amen, brother. Well, friends, that's all we've got today on this edition of Wisconsin Christian News TV. Please share this with your friends, especially those that are struggling. It'll encourage them to press in to the Lord. They don't have to walk through anything alone. God bless you. We'll see you next time.